I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to James chapter 4, verse 14. We're going to take a survey of life tonight. One of my first teachers teaching me the Word of God thought he ought to help me out as much as he can with, with the everyday Christian life and how to live it, how to view it. That's really what we're going to do is take a survey and, and view life and see how wonderful the life is that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, when you, when you think about us on this earth for the time that we are here and what we're doing and eventually we're not going to be here and we're not going to be doing it, it, it kind of reminds me of, of sticking your finger in a glass of water. You, you, you put your finger in a glass of water and it, it takes up some space there. It has an effect, but it is so quickly that you pull your finger out of that water and it just seals right up and, and leaves no trace that, that we had even done that. It quickly fills in. You know, we, we make an impression for a moment and then when we're off the scene, the, the place is going to fill right in. That's what our lives are really like on this earth. We are here on this earth for a moment. The impression that we make in time, it is only for a moment, and then we quickly pass on to eternity. Just some thoughts to, to make us think about life and, and for it to have an effect on the way we view life, the way we live life. In a survey of life, there's a lot of things that we can't know about, but one thing we can surely conclude is that life is short. Here in James chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You go back up to the verse before that and before we get that reply, we find a lot of things going on in the life. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Man, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of talk about today. There's a lot of talk about tomorrow and the plans intended to carry out tomorrow. There's talk about travel. There's talk about reaching a certain destination and going to a certain city, staying there a scheduled amount of time and doing a lot of stuff, buying and selling and getting gain. Man, I'm tired. 
lot going on there. You know, there's something going on all the time in life. We, we, we go, we pass through various places, we see different people, we partake in many different things throughout the day, throughout a week. Shelly talks about what a busy week this or that week is, is that's coming up, a, week, uh, a busy month, a busy year. We have so many responsibilities. We have decisions to make. Life is made up of so many things. And it can be very unpredictable. We don't know what tomorrow really has in store. We know what we're planning to do. Hopefully we're not thinking about that tonight and thinking about tomorrow and everything we have to do. we got to get ready, got the kids, get the kids in bed. We're getting up, we're going to work, we're going to school, we're doing all of this stuff. You know, we, we really don't know how tomorrow is going to turn out, though. We shared a, a verse from Proverbs Wednesday night. Chapter 27, verse 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, we can't brag or predict about the next day, much less the next year, as these guys are doing in verse 13. Plans are being made for a whole year. So the quick counter reply just paraphrasing, is tomorrow is not even known yet. It's only known by God, and you're planning for a year. I tell you what, what and what, we're, what we learn in this and to apply is how short life is. We, we, we measure life like we know when the end is coming. A 20-year-old might call a 45-year-old an old man. But God forbid that 20-year-old pass away at 25 and the 45-year-old lived to be 90. Who's the old man? Who's closer to the end? We don't know. We, we, we tend to just gauge things on a timetable that, of what we're thinking and we don't know when the end is coming. We look at life and we consider 90 to 100 years as being a long time. We, think, we, we sometimes can think about life as being long on this earth. But when we do a survey of life and we look in God's Word, we find our, our lives likened unto a vapor. How, how fast does that mist go away when it's in the air? This life is short. And that makes us consider the character of our lives. We, we come to an understanding that life is momentary on this earth. Life is very temporary while we're here. It's unpredictable by us. Only God knows tomorrow. He knows, the la he knows the last day of life on earth. And He knows everything in between. So it only makes sense 
that we do what it says here in verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. The Lord knows it all. We should express that honor to Him and that reverence to Him and that submission to Him in that if it's the Lord's will, we'll go here a year and buy, sell, and trade and, and do this or that. Paul, Paul does that very thing. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 21, Paul, it says, But bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. We also see here, considering Paul, 1 Corinthians 4.19, he says, But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but by the power. And then we go back to Acts, and we're going to go in chapter 17 and verse 28. And what we find there, Paul says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. It ought to come out of the mouth. If we're giving God this reverence if we're seeing Him as knowing all and we don't really know tomorrow and, and He wants us to make good plans that glorify Him if it's His will. Lord willing. They're, they're, I've talked to a lot of people who are not Christians and they, they, they use that slang terminology. Lord willing. It's really said in vain if we're not thinking about the Lord and we're not thinking about Him knowing tomorrow and we're not depending on Him for this or that to happen when we say, Lord willing. But it's a very wonderful spiritual phrase to say if you're sincere about how we do not know. I can't guarantee I'm go that I'll be there tomorrow. I don't know, but the Lord does. Lord willing, I will be there. That's biblical. That's, it's very spiritual. It's pleasing to the Lord. An unknown author says, So on I go, not knowing. I would not if I might. I'd rather walk in the dark with God than go alone in the light. I'd rather walk by faith with Him than go alone by sight. That's where the Lord wants us. He wants us to see our weakness. He wants us to see His strength and depend on Him for everything in life. When we stop and realize that we know nothing of future events and guarantee that they're going to happen except for what's biblical that He's promised, but in our everyday lives tomorrow, if we acknowledge that we, and realize that, that we really do, do not know what's going to take place tomorrow in the events of life, but God knows every one of them and that life is short, look, we will number our days 
and we will be seeking God's will over our own, over our own plans. That's what will happen with this survey of life. Life is short, but let's talk for a few minutes here tonight about what life is not about. Life is not about stuff. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. What you find in these verses here is a man who wants Jesus' help so that he can get his inheritance. He wants to get his, the substance he has coming to him. And Jesus just doesn't entertain that. He doesn't assist him. He does not help him in that area. He chose to stay out of that situation, but rather insisted to him that there is a greater gain in life than that inheritance and a greater loss than losing that inheritance. No matter how much stuff someone has, they're the loser if they don't come to eternal life in Jesus Christ. I kind of tickled myself driving down the road the other day. Shelly told me not to say this, but I'm going to anyway. I was coming to church, and I was driving my old pickup, and this really nice Porsche went by. And you understand, uh, I had been going over a message I was about to preach and spending time with the Lord, and I looked over, and I said, man, if you're not a Christian, I'm much richer than you are, buddy. Okay, that's it. That's it. Praise the Lord when we, when we realize that, that life is not about stuff. The man asked for help with greed. Jesus provided him with help that he might know God. In everything, in every instance of the life of Jesus Christ on this earth, you will find that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he did in every situation. The shipwrecked sailor became very thirsty. And he drank the salt water. And it only made him thirstier. And that's the way stuff is. When people try to make life out of stuff. It doesn't save. Stuff doesn't satisfy. Life is not about stuff. Life is not about speculation. I'm going to talk about that from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. There are a lot of, lot of speculation going on in this world. Paul says in this verse, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Just, I just thought of something this week while 
I was looking at this. Who does he save? Them that believe. It just kind of made me think about a, a doctrine of how it's already settled. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. You're either going to be saved or, or there's no way you're going to be saved. No, the Lord saves anyone who believes. But no speculation, no theory, no opinion, no hypothesis, or in any worldly wisdom can lead anyone to God. It just causes me to grieve and curl up over someone who goes to look to religion with their high intelligence as a human being. Because that's what, not what it takes, and you can't get there with that. It, it's not a road that leads to God. The truth will lead someone to the Lord. But there are those who are so caught up in speculation, they call the preaching of the cross foolishness. I know someone who did not know of these verses in the Bible and when they were told of Jesus by, by a friend of mine, that's the exact word that they used. De, trying to describe back. So you're saying that if I believe in this person, then I will get to go to a good place rather than a bad place when I die. And they said, that is simply foolishness. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. Praise the Lord that there's still hope for that one who thinks that that preaching's foolishness. We never give up on anybody. But I tell you what, speculation is a, is a giant hindrance. People are studying and researching to know what can never be understood or, or discovered by such means, which, which is something that Jesus Christ has already made known. He's already unveiled to those who will come to Him by faith, can know everything that somebody is trying to search for. Man continues to speculate. What a, what a wasted life. What wasted money. What wasted time. Life is... Not about stuff. It's not about speculation. Life is not about sensation. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 6 says, But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. What do we think about that concerning the pleasures of this world? that tickle our flesh, that try to draw us away from the things of God, an itch that, that we think just needs to be scratched. Life is not about sensation. Some people try to drown their sorrow by sensation. A trial by way of a thrill. People look to the pleasures of this world 
to deal with things in their lives, or just simply to please the flesh. A dive is taken into the, into the world's pleasures for many reasons, none of them good, and it can do irreparable damage to the soul. We consider how the Lord saves and how He forgives, yet the consequences can really scar and really hang around. And people look to sensation. They look to getting a thrill out of life and, and it hurts. To live for pleasure, Paul says in this verse, is death while living. It's killing one's own soul to live in pleasure. And what does it give? What does it offer up? Not, not what it looks like it does on the surface. You know, Jesus says, whoever shall save his life shall lose it. That being the case, we surely understand that someone who deliberately decides to throw their life away is surely going to lose it. What verse 7 says here, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 7 goes on to say, and these things give in charge that they may be blameless. Only the word of the Lord can correct this behavior. Only the Lord's command, obeyed, can correct this. You know, the, the prodigal son, he learned a hard way that life is not about sensation. Life is about the Savior. Philippians 1.21 says, For to me, to live is Christ. That is one of those verses you just think and, and believe and you do experience a lot. That, that you're going to get something more out of it every time you look at it. Most people say to me, to live as Christ. Paul says, for to me, kind of like, like other people think this and that, but for me, to live as Christ. The believer's life is to be overwhelmed with magnifying Christ. That's what's to consume us. In this life, provided for us is a contentment beyond description. I want to experience more of that. I, I, want, to, I want to journey into more of that in my spiritual life. The, the greater contentment that Jesus has for us, that we hear when Paul says, for to me to live is Christ. Man, there's a lot of things that need our attention in life. Our family needs our attention. We, we shouldn't neglect our family. You know, we, our, our careers require some attention. Our health requires attention, and, and the list goes on and on. 
But all of our business in life should be taken care of by prioritizing. And that's just something that, that a talk like this makes me think about. The prioritizing of, of our lives with all that we have to do. But, but in that order, nothing is more important than Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is first, all of the family, job, everything else, it's going to fall into place a lot better. He, he knows how to line out a life. And with first things first, Christ first in our lives, He's going to line those things out where, where, where it's, it's all covered well. Paul writes this. Paul is writing this from prison. And he says, For to me, to live is Christ. He was writing. God was using him to write the Bible. Why? Because ministry for Jesus Christ was more important than deliverance from prison for him. Amen. He was actually free there. He was free in Christ there. He discovered that God gave him a new audience there. Every town the Apostle Paul went to, the, the greeting crew put him in jail, it seems like. Did it for Christ's sake. His ministry for Christ was more important than his deliverance. His preaching Christ was in prison. He was in prison for preaching Christ. Christ was more important than Paul's personal relief. Paul's survey of life is this, Christ. Christ first. To the, to the, to the Colossians, Paul says Christ is our life. When Christ who is our life shall appear, he says. In the same letter, you find three words. It kind of came out in a sermon I listened to here about eight months ago, maybe a year ago, Christ is all. Paul says Christ is all. Jesus wins the survey of life. And for that matter, Jesus wins the survey of death. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The only way to experience gain through dying is dying in the Lord. The Lord That's why we're here tonight, to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives life eternal. He takes the sting out of death. Death is the entrance into the fullness of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder why the preacher went into surgery and just before they, they put the tube in his mouth where he couldn't speak, he said, it's a win-win. If I stay here, I preach Christ. If I go, I'm going to be with Christ. Christ wins in life. He wins the survey of life. He wins the survey of death. Union with Christ makes death an advantage. It's the fullness of union with Christ. It's reunion 
with all of our loved ones in Christ who have gone on. We ought, we ought to cherish one another that, that we have here. We, we have each other. We are here in this day and in this time right now together as a church. And God's blessing more than we could ever imagine that He would bless. And we are experiencing that together right here, right now in life. To die is gain. We're going to go celebrate with all of our loved ones in Christ one day in heaven. Christ is the best life to have. And to leave this world for heaven, it's better than that. Just stop and take a survey of life. Just take a survey of life tonight. And, and, and our prayer is that everyone following along through this survey might, might notice if there's anything out of line. Anything that's not prioritized as it should be. We all need that review. We all need that examination of ourselves continually in our lives. And, and, you, know, and you know what the Lord does? When we dig ourselves trenches... He'll take us out of them. When we develop routines that aren't prioritized, He'll change them. It's, it's a time like this that we discover that. It might not be anything that, that we would consider sinful, but there is something that is crowded out the most important. It's important, but it's not the most important, and it's crowded it out of our lives. And it might be time to, prior, to prioritize these things. And the Lord can surely shape these things up. Or, or maybe for someone here, life has been about stuff, maybe. Or maybe it's been about sensation. Or maybe it's been about speculation. Too much, too much wondering. Too, too, much, too much human wisdom, worldly wisdom. Trying to look at the things that require godly wisdom. And we know something about you, if that's you tonight. And that is you're not satisfied. And there's a longing in your heart for what will satisfy Life, life with the Savior. That's what satisfies. It's as simple as that. And if you realize you, you haven't been forgiven of your sins, and that death still has its sting, it still has its sting on, on your thought of leaving this world, we, 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 we pray that you would come to the Lord a sinner and have your sins forgiven, to have you forgiven of your sins tonight. To know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To know heaven for eternity as your home. Praise the Lord for the testimony of salvation of one who thought they had been saved a long time. I got a call from someone about four years ago and they said, please come see me. I had no idea why they wanted me to come see them. 
they, they'd been in church all their life. They probably knew more preachers than I. And they knew that they were about to die soon. They had an idea they were about to die from a disease soon. And they said, I know I'm not saved. I've known for a while. I know how I talk and I know all the preachers I mentioned that I know. But I know I'm not saved. And they got saved in their apartment and, and three weeks later, they, they left this world and went to be with the Lord. I drive that apart, by that apartment and I just look and I, I'll never forget that. There's someone here tonight who realizes that they don't know Jesus, that they don't know the one who satisfies. The survey of life, and all the survey of life, it's about Christ. And it's about Him first and nothing before Him. We're going to bow to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we're going to have a time of invitation. And it's your time to do business of, with God. It, it might be that you're just going to sit right there in your pew and contemplate life and the priorities in life. I tell you what, when they're in line, little things that happen do not so easily get us out of line. Father God Almighty, we bow before you in your house tonight. We thank you for an opportunity to, to share a piece of your word, Lord. And that we would desire that you search our hearts and search our lives tonight. Lord, we want to have lives that honor you. We want to live for you and we, we want to be so close to you that nothing can get in between. Lord, there are things that are always trying to pull us astray and divide us, but I, but I thank you that when, when first things are first, your precious son is first in our lives. We can trust you to help everything to fall into place as it should. We rejoice in who you are tonight, Lord. We thank you for being our Lord and Savior. We thank you for never leaving us alone, but guiding us and convicting us by your Holy Spirit, encouraging us by your word, encouraging us by a kind word from one another. Lord, the people that you make us to be, to walk in this world before you take us to heaven, are the kind of people that are going to exhort one another and help to point one another to Christ and live in this mutual purpose that we all have that is greater than all. And we ask these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone could please stand or, or maybe you want to sit right there in your pew, whatever the case may be, Page and spend time with the Lord.